and welcome to this evening's ladies event. We're looking forward to spending time together online. We've got lots in store for you. So please engage in the online chat underneath this video. We'd love to hear from you. Sit back, relax, enjoy and be encouraged. The ladies team would like to encourage you with these verses from 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 to 18. Treasures in clay jars. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies, so that the resurrected life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then, death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, First I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him, and together we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvellous grace will spread to more and more people resulting in an even greater increase to praise um, of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. So no wonder we don't give up. But even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Amen. 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 <laughs> it's wonderful for us to be able to gather as ladies this evening so thanks so much again for joining us and it's my absolute privilege now to introduce to you our guest speaker this evening and that's Val Bird um, from Canada she's married to Ian and they oversee their church in Canada but they also oversee the network Life Links, which we were part of as Breathe and they're an amazing couple who are so encouraging and so lovely and some of you may know them from when they were last with us last year they'd hoped to come again this Easter time but unfortunately due to circumstances they couldn't and I know they're looking forward to being back in the UK and seeing everyone at Breathe again soon so I'm going to hand over to Val and she's going to share with us please open your hearts open your minds and listen to what she says and be encouraged greetings Breathe Life Church women and friends I just want to thank Sarah for inviting me to speak to you today, and it's such a privilege. We so enjoyed our time when we were in England. Oh man, it's been well over a year now, and we had hoped to be back in May, but of course COVID hit and changed all of our lives. 
And so here we are, and we're gonna do this another way, right? So I'm just gonna try to pretend I have all of your lovely faces in front of me, and I'm gonna share with you some words of encouragement that I hope will strengthen and bless your heart. And really, what I wanna talk to you today about is just some of my story. Uh, We all have stories, and I love hearing people's stories. Um, And they just give me encouragement, they give me hope, they give me perspective. Sometimes we can feel so alone in seasons of life, can't we? Things that we're going through and we wonder, does anyone know, does anyone understand what this is like? How alone I feel or how challenged I feel or how discouraged I feel. And we need each other to give each other perspective, don't we? So I just want to say blessings to Breathe Life Church because I know they're working so hard to make their church family feel loved and the community feel loved and I pray that if you're considering being a part or just checking out Breathe Life Church even tonight listening to me uh, I hope that you will in the days to come get connected into this amazing church family because we all need that connection especially in these days but before I start I just want to welcome you to my home I'm sitting in front of my piano it's one of my favorite places because what I get to do is twice a week Uh, I teach piano lessons to little children, and this week I actually get to start teaching again. Um, We're going to wear masks, we're going to sanitize our hands, and but the parents want to come back and let me teach, and so that's one of the joys of my life, is getting to be in my community by uh, teaching piano lessons to children. And then behind me is an outdated... Um, family picture. I wish it was updated, but we haven't got our act together yet to have the pictures changed. It is behind by two daughter-in-laws and two more grandchildren. I have, Ian and I have four sons. We have three daughter-in-laws and we have four grandchildren, three beautiful little boys and one little girl. And so that is, again, one of the greatest joys of our life. It's our children and our grandchildren, and uh, it's just such a privilege to have them in our lives. So I just wanted to share a little bit of my life with you by showing you these pictures in this place in my house. So we're in the fall season, and it is one of my favorite seasons, actually, of all time. I grew up on a farm, and so I had a very loving mom and dad. They were Jesus followers, too, and um, they have their own unique story which I think I'm going to write down someday because it's just pretty incredible how they met and came together and then raised us and so fall time was pretty special for our uh, our farming community because we harvested and so in at harvest time that was the joy of the combines at night raking in the harvest if it had been a good harvest time or a good crop uh, my dad was you know excited about that and we were thankful for the provision for another year and it was such a, a good thing to to have and i love the the colors of the leaves in our in our country particularly in if you've ever looked at the province of ontario that's not where we live we live in alberta but if you lived in the province of ontario you'd see the most beautiful uh leaves the the fall colors changing the leaves and i absolutely love fall colors so Ian and i got married in the fall we got married october 4th will be 34 years already And uh, so fall is very special to me. Harvest time, being a farmer, and then of course, because it's my anniversary. But one of the the crops that my dad uh, planted was called winter wheat. And uh, he um, would plant it actually 
in the fall. The fall is when it was planted. Most of the seed, most of the crops were planted in the springtime and then we harvested them in the fall. But winter wheat was planted in the fall and not harvested till the springtime. So interestingly, it would, it would start to germinate and before it broke from up from the ground, it would just go dormant because of course the, the temperatures would change in Canada and become so cool that it would just lie dormant there and it would just stay there and do something. I don't know what it does in its germination stage, but it would do something. But I looked up winter wheat and you know that in, in the studies of it, it is one of the most durable seeds, one of the most durable um, seeds of harvest that you could have. And I don't know if it's because it lies dormant that whole time. I don't know why God created it to do that. But I just found it fascinating that for whatever reason, it needs to be planted in the fall time when winter is coming. It just lies there dormant and quiet until the spring when the warmth of the sun comes and heats the ground and up it comes and then you get this crop that again is a hardy crop, very durable crop. And it made me think about the reality of life, all of our lives. There is a scripture, let me see here in my notes, Proverbs 13 verse 2, and it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And the story of my life, and perhaps the story even of this COVID season for you, is the reality that there are things that we have to wait for. I think many of us have been waiting for normalcy, normalcy. Just when will life get normal again? When will life feel like we're not afraid anymore? When we can go on and sort of live normally? And the reality of life is that there are so many seasons where life is up and down, isn't it? There are there are good seasons, but there's often many, many hard seasons too. And often there's both at the same time. And our hope and our hearts can get discouraged. And hope deferred means having to wait for, having to be put off. When we are waiting for something, we don't have it yet, and we're waiting for it, we can get sick at heart. We can get very discouraged. So my upbringing was fantastic, actually. I loved growing up on the farm. My parents were amazing people. They just, they loved God. They loved us kids well. They had very different backgrounds. And so their story is remarkable in itself. And someday I will tell that as well. But suffice to say, they had very differing backgrounds and they worked very hard to make their marriage work, to make life work. And they, they, they were avid learners of God's word and reading books on how to do family well, how to do life well. Fact is, in our church, they were the marriage counselors, the go-to people for family. Um, people loved them. People loved my family. I'm the oldest of four. I have a brother and two younger sisters. And so we grew up in that environment, um, on the farm in an amazing church. Uh, I met Ian in youth group, and uh, we dated and had a great relationship. And then the unthinkable happened. One day in the winter, January 7th, 1986, 35 years almost now, my parents were killed in a car accident. They were ironically on their way to see friends who had, the man had just lost his wife the summer before. And so my parents were going up there to comfort him and the other vehicle slid on black ice, hit them head on, and my parents were killed instantly. 
And so getting the news of that, my world was rocked. Um, Ian had just come home from Bible school. He'd been gone for two years, so most of our relationship had been done long distance. And I had just turned 19, and I had my whole life ahead of me. And I was so excited about it and excited to start life, a new chapter with Ian. My parents loved him. Things were good, and we both felt called to serve God in ministry together. And there were just so many dreams that we had. But all of a sudden, in that one moment, life was forever changed and my dreams were shattered and they just felt put on the shelf and then not only that I was thinking about my siblings and about their life and what was that going to be life and like and so I I just jumped head first into considering their needs and being concerned about them and Ian helped. He he just was thrown into a whirlwind. He was he was so devastated that my parents had been killed. He loved my mom and dad, and his dad had died when Ian was just 12 years of age as well. So here he was, fatherless, loved his mom, and she was a great friend of our families, and he was going to get a new dad, and, and that dream was gone as well. And so all of a sudden, life was just so different. It was so different than we'd envisioned, and, and we, we were just thrown, and the shock of it, and the, the change of it, all. And so I just wanted to say and present to you the idea that isn't that the reality of life? You can think of a time, I'm sure, where life threw you a curveball and you didn't expect it and all of a sudden things are changed. Maybe someone died or there's a sickness in the family or financial challenges or you name it. I'm sure you all have your own stories to share with me too of hope that was deferred that makes the heart sick. And I remember wondering, God, where are you? God, what's going on? I thought you were in control of the universe. I thought that you had my life in your hands and and we were serving you and loving you. How could you allow something like this to happen to us? And so life went on. We did get married actually just 10 months later and, and we, we helped with my siblings. We, we opened our home to them. They were there quite often. I actually, we have Ian allowed for one sister to live with us about a year and a half later for several months. And then later on, another year or two later, we had another sister come and live with us for a while. And we tried to be a hub. We tried to provide our family with some security and some safety. And then um, we started having our own family. And we entered a season, actually, of a lot of financial stress. There was, there was um, everything that could go wrong almost did go wrong. And I remember feeling like, come on, God. This is already really hard. We've already gone through a really hard time with parents, the loss of my parents and and the role they played in the church and and the depression that I'd gone through. There's just so many things to overcome just from my parents dying alone. But now Ian and I are starting our family and we felt called by God to go to another community that our church was connected to, to support the pastors there and to live there amongst them. And we became volunteer youth pastors. But everything that Ian tried to do financially to keep our heads afloat in that community didn't seem to go very well. And again, the questions of my heart were, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen to people and a family that we love you, we we want to serve you, and we want to do well by you? You know, there's some stories in the Bible that have a similar narrative. If you consider the stories of David, who was a shepherd boy, and he loved God. He worshiped God in those fields all the time. And then um, all of a sudden, he's anointed to be king of the nation of Israel. 
the nation already had a king that hadn't been that had been set in not that long before but all of a sudden David is anointed and he's taken out of this place of obscurity and where he's just enjoyed worshiping God and taking care of his family's sheep and now he has to play a role and get ready for a role that he wasn't quite ready for not only that if you read the book again of David he is chased by the current king because the current king is jealous of the call of God on his life, and he's threatened by him. And so here David is anointed, he's got a promise of God to be the next leader, and he is pursued for years, for years, by the king who is threatened by him. And, and, and I'm sure David must have wondered many times, fact is if we read in, the, in, the, in recorded in history the story of the account of that time in his life, many people came to him and he had to help take care of them. His family came because they were threatened by Saul. And David is trying to, trying to shepherd everybody and, and, and fight Philistines and keep hold of the promise of God and honor the current king. It was hard. It was very, very hard. There's that story. And eventually God did come through, but it was really difficult. The story of Joseph, if you're familiar with that story at all. Joseph is is the second youngest of 12 brothers. He's favored by his father. He never asked for that to happen, but it did, and it caused his brothers to hate him. And then they kidnap him, essentially, and then sell him to some slave traders where he is taken away to Egypt, never to see his family again for years. Um... Long story short, his life, he ends up in a prison and wondering he'd had dreams, God had given him dreams early on um, that he probably shouldn't have told his brothers, but he did. And his brothers were more jealous, so that's what led to them kidnapping him basically and selling him off. And so then he's put in a prison waiting and wondering, God, where are you? What about your promises? What about the things I thought you said about who I was? But these two men keep on trusting God and serving God. And back to my story, I, I went through a lot of depression. I struggled with wondering where God was at. But at the meantime, in, but all during that time, I couldn't stop loving him. I couldn't stop serving him. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to please him, but I was confused. And I, and I struggled with, with where we were at in life and what was going on. And, My husband, thankfully, was always an incredible uh, example to me of someone who, even though he didn't understand what was going on, he continued to serve God and love God. And Ian's faith went deeper, and it inspired me. And my faith was struggling, but I kept saying, Lord, I want to believe you. Lord, even though life seems so out of control, I want to trust you, but I'm finding it really hard. God, would you help me, please? Would you come and reach down your hand and and pluck me out of this dark place? Because as you and I know, life doesn't stop, does it? We still have to raise kids. We still have to go to work. We're still married or not married, um, still taking care of different people in our lives. A woman's heart is a complicated thing. She's got lots lots of balls to juggle and lots of different areas of life that she has to keep together and and so I was trying to do all of those things and do a good job. And, and you know, I, I was just doing my best, but my heart was hurting, very much hurting. There's another uh, story in the Bible where there's a man who actually 
had an, an amazing life. He had it all together. And, and it wasn't in the initial stages of his life where life got hard. It was later on. His name is Job. And he was actually wealthy. He had lots of sons and daughters. He had, he had lots of wealth. And, but then he went through some trials of life too. And everything that he had got taken away. Have you ever felt like everything has been pulled out from under you? The rug has been pulled out and you've been doing well and you think, I don't understand what's going on. And so here is another story in the Bible, Job, where everything went wrong and Job got angry. Job got hurt. Do you know it's okay to get angry? It is okay to question. It is okay to wonder. It's okay to express those things. I want to actually encourage you right now, if that's where you're at, if you're in a dark place, if you're in a hard place, God can handle your anger. God can handle your discouragement. God can handle your questions. And he wants you to come and talk to him. And so I tried hard to come to God and express my frustrations, express my discouragement to God. Because you know what? Here's another thing that that jumped out at me in scripture. John chapter 6. I love the Bible. I want to encourage you, if you're not a Bible reader, even as a Christian or a seeker, I want to encourage you to read it. It's a, it's a word, it's, it's a compilation of books that have been put together to give us hope and to help us to know God's heart towards us. And as I read the Bible, as I read a few verses, God would speak to my heart and he, he would just encourage me and, and, and he, would, he would just give me ideas and impressions that he was with me. And I thought, there's this one passage where Jesus is, is here on earth and he's got all his disciples around him and, and, and others are following him too. And in John chapter 6, he's gives, he says some hard things that were, they couldn't understand. And, and they, they were looking for a ruler to save them. They were looking for someone to rescue them from, from the hand of Rome, where the oppression of Rome was hard and heavy on their lives. And they were looking for a Messiah to deliver them so that they wouldn't have to go through this anymore. And, and their, their prophets had, had said, there is someone coming to deliver you. So they were looking for the deliverance of God. They were looking for the promises of God. And then Jesus said that he was going to die. And he said that, that he said, some hard things. It was really confusing. You can go and read it for yourself. And so it actually says that a bunch of the people that were following him left. And Jesus turned to the 12 disciples that he had chosen and he said to them, are you going to leave me too? And Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, where else would we go? You alone hold the words of eternal life. And you know, in that challenging time of my life where I was dealing with grief, I was dealing with sorrow, I was dealing with confusion at here we are trying to serve God and finances are not easy. We're trying to bring up our children and and I'm trying to be a support to my siblings. God, where are you? I remember thinking, Lord, if there were somewhere else to go, I would. But I knew enough of life by that time, working with people in volunteer uh, service in ministry and watching my parents, watching church life and leaders around me, just my friends. I thought life is hard. And if I try to do life without God, it's not going to be easier than life with God. It'll be harder. So even though I was confused when I was angry, I thought, Lord, where else would I go? Where else would I go? You alone hold the words of eternal life. So, you know, God began to work in my heart. And slowly but surely, 
that dormant season where I was talking to you about the winter wheat, I felt underground, I felt hidden, I felt like all the seed of promise, all the things I'd been waiting for, they were under the ground and it was winter time and I wondered when I'd feel the sun again. But little by little, as I presented myself to God, as I started to let go, there's a verse in John chapter 12, verse 24. I love the book of John so much. There's so many wonderful, amazing scriptures and promises that Jesus teaches and says. But this is what he said, and it became very real to me with my parents' death. And then as life went on, just living life and understanding more and more about the need to let go. Jesus said this, he said, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces many seeds and a great harvest, actually, essentially. And so as I thought about that verse, it meant a lot to me because I was familiar with seeds. I was familiar with farming. I was familiar with harvest time. And just the idea that a seed by itself remains alone and it can't actually produce. But if a seed will open up, I don't know if you can see my hand. I hope so because I'm trusting the camera. If that seed will open up and let go, many will grow out of it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery how life works. It's a mystery how faith works. But that's the reality. Jesus said it. And that verse actually was preached at my parents' funeral. That they were seed. It was like they were seed. And then they did die. But that their lives, because of the way that they had lived, it would produce a harvest and I believe it did in our children's lives. Yes, I wish they had lived. Yes, I wish we didn't have to go through hard things in life. But here's one thing I know too, that it's usually during the hardest seasons of life, the coldest seasons of life, that when I give myself to God, when I give him the questions and the concerns, when I run to him, when I run into community and I choose to do life with others and choose to do life with the Lord, I learn so much. I grow so much. But if I withhold and I tighten in, and I get all protective and I close up and I say, no, I'm not going to risk again. I'm not going to open up again. I'm just going to stay inside myself and protect myself. Nothing happens. I don't grow. You don't grow. But this is an invitation from God. As I read that verse and I pondered what it said, I felt like it was an invitation from God. Val, I want you to let go. And you know that as I let go, peace came. As I let go, joy came. As I let go, hope came. And I came to trust that God, I don't understand. There's a psalm that's very dear to me in the Bible, Psalm 133. And it says this. I hope, you know what? I think I'm wrong. 131, sorry. Psalm 131. And it says this. I do not concern myself with matters too great and wonderful for me to understand. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. And it's about trusting in the Lord. David, I believe, wrote that psalm. And when I studied it, there is the understanding of not so much that it's, it's the picture of a baby at a mother's breast. If you've had the opportunity to be a mom, you'll understand this. But a, a baby that is being nursed at its mother's breast or bottle fed. And when they're content and they fall asleep and their little mouths loosen around that, that nipple of the bottle or the mom. And, and it just dribbles down. And that, just that picture of contentment of the baby, right? 
And David says in the psalm, or whoever wrote that psalm, he says, I don't concern myself with matters too great or wonderful for me to understand, but I've stilled and quieted my soul. I've chosen to trust in God like a weaned child with its mother. I'm going to let you take care of it, Lord, and I'm going to be satisfied with you, just with your presence, just with trusting you and knowing you, and I'm going to let go and fill up with you, Jesus. And when we do that, God fills our hearts and he gives us his grace. I don't have the grace that I need to live this life. I don't know. I don't understand the things that go on. I don't know why life goes the way that it does, but I know that when I choose to put my trust in him, the Lord gives me grace. The Lord gives me the encouragement that I need to go on. He is so faithful. I want to say this to you ladies, in this COVID period, I've been following the news. I know that you have even greater challenges than we do. Um, all your laws, we, we have some too. We are pretty strict, but you are under far more restrictions than we are. And, and just the pressures that you still have financially or with your families or all that's going on for you. And you know, life isn't easy just because we have faith. Life is challenging and hard, but God promises to be with us. And I just want to encourage you that the reality of life is this, that Jesus wants to offer you his life. And he says that if you'll take the seed of your life, if you'll take all of the potential of who you are, all the dreams and all the promises, if you'll put it into his hands, no matter what comes. Another verse I want to give to you before we go is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. And it talks about a tree that's planted by a river of living water, whose roots reach down deep for that water. And it says that no matter what season that tree is in, no matter the, the long season of drought, whatever hardships it goes through, it says it le its leaves stay green and it keeps right on producing fruit because it's a tree that is planted itself by that river of living water and it's reaching its roots down. It's finding its source in Jesus. Just like that seed that is under the ground, if it can trust that God is in control, that it doesn't need to worry and it can let go. Put your trust in the Lord. Let go. Reach your roots deep for Jesus, that source of living water. You will never be dry in a drought season. In this season of COVID, in the pressures that you are at, Jesus knows he's there with you. He is for you. He wants to take care of you. I just want to encourage you, even as I'm encouraging myself in these days, to continually let go. Continually be the seed that doesn't just close up and say, I'm going to figure this out for myself. Just so you know, life did get better to some degree, but life still has many challenges for me and my family. God has been so faithful. And then we'll have a season of ease and blessing. And then there's another season that other things are hard. And you know what? That's probably the way it will be until we go home to be with Jesus. In the meantime, though, I know that the Lord wants all of us to know his peace, that peace like that baby, that weaned child who is full of mama's milk. God wants you and I to be full of peace the peace that only he can give. Again, going back to the very beginning when I said to you, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. God wants you and I to live a tree of life, to have a life that's like that tree planted by a river of living water, who reaches the roots down, who's satisfied in God, knowing that God will take care of us 
it will work out. Even if we don't understand everything, God is at work in all things for our good. Can I pray for you? Thank you again for the privilege to talk to you. Father, I pray for these precious women. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to them. You are not restricted to space and time. Even though I'm here in Canada and I'm pre-taping this, God, I'm right there with them in spirit when this is being shown. And so, Lord, right now, in that moment, I pray for the hearts of these women who are looking, Lord, to you and you see the heavy burdens they bear. Jesus, would you help them tonight? or today, whatever time it is that they're playing this, would you help them to release those burdens to you, to let go of the things that they're holding close, and and Lord, those places that perhaps have gotten hard, where they would let go like that seed and release to you, so that in the season they're in, God, whatever you're doing could have its time and way in them, and that in time, the sun will shine, God, and seeds will come up, not just one, but many, will bear fruit because of the work you're doing in them by faith. You can be trusted with our lives. You can be trusted with the seed of the promise of life in us, God. And so I thank you, Father, that you're at work. I pray for Sarah and the church family, and I pray for all the lives they're reaching with the ministry, God, that, Lord, there would be hope imparted whatever they do, whatever ministry they run, whatever words they speak, that much encouragement would come out of this church's ministry. Thank you for the the name itself, Breathe Life. Bless them, Lord God. Bless them in all that they do. Bless these precious women. May burdens be released even now in the name of Jesus Christ. Impart truth. Whatever I've said, whatever I've said, Lord, that is from you that should land in their hearts, may it go deep like a seed and produce life in them. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, too, that if you don't know Jesus, you'll talk to someone at Breathe Life Church and say, how can I have this kind of life that Val's talking about? Because it is in Jesus. He alone has the words of eternal life, just like I said earlier. So I bless you, and I thank you again for this opportunity to speak to you. I pray that you have a great fall, and that uh, prayers are answered, that needs are met, and that you would be encouraged. Thanks again. God bless you all. Bye for now. Ladies, I'd like to close tonight by praying for you all. So, Father God, I praise you for tonight, Father. I thank you for Val and I thank you for the message that we've heard. And, Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will seal this message in our hearts. Lord, that you'll help us to apply all that we've heard to our lives. God, I thank you for every gorgeous lady that's been listening online tonight. And I pray you continue to bless them, refresh them, strengthen them and encourage them, Father. And I pray that your peace that passes all understanding will rest upon them in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Lots of love to you, ladies. Thank you.